appreciate so much, uh, Brother Jeremiah, giving me the opportunity to speak tonight. And uh, we have um, a few verses of Scripture we'll look at this evening. If you will, turn to the book of Philippians and keep your Bible open there. And uh, we, will, uh, we will spend a few minutes going through. Man, are you done yet? Good night. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to focus here for a second. And goodness, you know, I'll, I'll stay around afterward and take as many as you'd like. So we'll, we'll do that. But uh, uh, we, we're going to go through. All four chapters of the book of Philippians, don't worry, we're not going to go through every single verse, okay? So we won't be here all night, uh, but we, uh, Brother Jeremiah asked me a few weeks ago if, um, if I'd like to speak tonight, and uh, I thought about it for, for a little bit, and then I thought, well, sure, I think I, think I would. Uh, there are a few things I want to get off my chest. I'm just kidding. No. Um, I thought there's a few things I would like to, to say to you, and uh, just one more opportunity to say thank you to all of you. And uh, let you know what uh, you mean to us and what you mean to me over these last 11 years. And so I was trying to think, well, how do you condense everything that you would want to say into one evening and one message? And uh, I was reading my Bible and came across the book or came through the uh, book of Philippians and read through the book of Philippians one day. And as I was reading that passage of Scripture, I thought, this is it. This is everything I would want to say. All the little points I kind of had in my mind that I want to get across uh, is really encapsulated here in the book of Philippians. And so I want to take just a few minutes tonight and, uh, and really just do a brief survey of this book of the Bible. And we're going to read through and, and interject uh, what I believe the Lord would have us take from this passage of Scripture tonight. And, uh, and so uh, we're going to look in verse number one here in just a second. Now, as we get into this, we understand Paul wrote the book of Philippians from prison. Uh, he's re- writing this to a group of people f- being in prison for preaching the, the word of God, for preaching the faith of God. And so uh, this is not an, a situation where Paul is on vacation uh, with his uh, feet kicked back on a tropical island or on the banks of the uh, Mediterranean Sea or anything like that. He is re- writing this in prison, and he's trying to get across a message to God's people. Now think about this for a second. The Bible doesn't say this. I don't know this for sure, but I would tend to think that possibly Paul may have thought this might be the end. I mean, he's been thrown in prison, and, and, you know, this is not 2020 American prison. This is a pretty rough situation that he has now found himself in. And I would think possibly the thought might have gone through his head, I need to send one last message to this church and one last message to Ephesus and one last message to the church at Galatia. And he's trying to get across maybe even what he would consider his last thoughts at the time or his last message to these people. So really, that's kind of the context I want us to be looking at this passage of Scripture. Paul writing this from prison to a group of Christians in which he's trying to get across a very important message, maybe even possibly his last message to them. And uh, that's what we want to look at this evening here. So what does Paul say to those he ministered to? Let's go ahead and jump into the lesson tonight on uh, verse number one. The Bible says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, now we're going to hit each chapter very quickly here. Well, I say very quickly. That's a relative term, but uh, we'll hit each chapter here and, uh, and we'll go through some thoughts on these verses. Now, quickly in verse number three, the Bible says, and I thank my God. Upon every remembrance of you. Now, I thought that's an important passage of scripture. What an important thought that Paul's getting across here to the people of Philippi. He's in prison, he's in bondage, and what is his message to the people of Philippi? Thank you. I thank God upon every remembrance of you. So I thank the Lord for you. And I thought as I read that, I thought that's exactly what I'd like to tell you tonight. I'm thankful for you, uh, much more than I could ever express. 
Uh, you all have been so good to us and me and my family, and I'm going to try not to get emotional tonight. I did enough of that the other day. So, uh, But when I look back on the last 11 years, I do look back on, on, on what you all mean to our family with such thankfulness. You know, you don't spend a quarter of your life somewhere without developing some very deep roots. And, uh, and being here these many years, being here a quarter of my life, this has been a place where uh, I told someone the other day when we were growing up, this is a place I've come to love. When we were growing up, we grew up in Baton Rouge over there in Louisiana, and Mississippi was a state we made fun of. And uh, I come here and I find out Mississippians do the same thing to people from Louisiana. And uh, to grow up here, this has been a place that, uh, that I'm so thankful the Lord allowed us to come to. Uh, my kids were born in Florida, but they've, they've grown up Mississippians, uh, Mississippi kids, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for uh, all of you who, who ministered to us when we first came here. Many of you don't know the whole story. We're not going to get into all of it, but we came here through kind of a bad deal, bad situation 11 years ago and from the church that we left coming in here. And so many of you were, were so faithful and, and ministered to us without even knowing you were doing so. Uh, you were such a blessing to me and my wife and my family and, and uh Again, without your knowledge, just the Christian love and Christian kindness you showed our family and have shown us throughout the years is something, again, thank you just seems to be so small. I can't thank you enough uh, for helping us through a very difficult time uh, in our lives. I'm thankful for all of you who taught my kids in Sunday school. Uh, I was talking to Brother Jamie the other day and teaching Brandon when he was just a little guy, and, uh, and he's not so little anymore, but uh, teaching my kids in Sunday school. I, I'm thankful for all of you who taught my kids in our Christian school. Uh, I'm thankful for all you ladies who were so faithful to work in the nursery when my daughter was in the nursery. Um, those of you who, and probably most of you here, supported my kids through fundraising efforts uh, for our school, from various uh, school fundraisers to camps to missions trips and all of those things. Um, I'm thankful for all of you parents who allowed me to teach and coach your children, and uh, what a great honor uh, that has been. I'm thankful for all of you young people who allowed me to coach you and uh, allowed me to make so many good memories with you. I'm thankful for all of my family here. Uh, who made it very easy to work together, uh, my brother and sister in here and their, their spouses. And, and uh, I'm thankful that my family, again, a lot of times situations like this don't work out very well, but I'm thankful for my family who just made this situation work and work well. I'm thankful for all my nieces and nephews who made it easy for all of us uh, to, to have the experience to serve the Lord together. Thankful for all of you in our Lighthouse Couples Fellowship, and uh, thankful for the, all the time that we got to spend together. Somebody wrote me a note today and talked about us being upstairs in the little room up there, and, and they kind of grew with us through those years, and, and I'm so thankful for those memories. So many of you have been so good to check on us. I'm thankful for all of you who just checked on us to make sure we had our needs met. So many times I've been asked by people in this church, do you need anything? Can I help you? You'd find out about something that went wrong at the house or something we had a problem with, and you jumped in and just just helped us. I'm thankful for so many of you who faithfully prayed for us through these years. And I'm thankful probably to all of you here for being patient with me, allowing me to grow, uh, being patient with me through all my faults, through my mistakes. And there have been plenty of them uh, over the years. And uh, as Paul writes to these people and thinks of them with a heart of thankfulness, I can't help but just have that same feeling to you. I'm just so thankful that the Lord allowed us to be here and to be able to know you and for all of us to minister together. Now, it says this in verse number four, always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. 
Now, over 15 different times in these chapters, he mentions, Paul mentions joy, rejoicing, gladness. Now, remember, Paul's writing this from prison. He's writing this in a bad situation. But he's talking about the people of God having a heart being filled with joy. Paul's reminiscing about those fellow believers and friends, and he prays for them, and he prays for them with joy. And I want that to be my life. I want to pray for you. And and as we leave here, I want to pray for you with joy, and I hope you'll do the same for me. Pray for us, and pray for us with fondness and with joy. Our fellowship together here at Central, for all of us to be growing, to be more like Christ, has brought so much joy and gladness to our family. Look at verse number 6 in chapter 1. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's been a joy to see the good work that God has done in so many of your lives. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a different person now than when I came here 11 years ago. Uh, The Lord has done a work in my life. And again, the Lord has used so many of you to help me and help me grow in my Christian walk. And uh, it's been a joy to see the work that God has done in so many of your lives over the last 11 years. Um, I'm thankful that you've allowed me to be present at many of your most important life events. Uh, I'm thankful that I was able to be at many of you many of your birthday parties. Not as many as I wish I could have been at, but, uh, but I'm so thankful to have been at birthday parties and, and being a part of, of, of weddings and uh, different celebrations that you've had. I've been, I'm so thankful that you've allowed me to be part of uh, many of your family members' funerals and uh, when someone had an illness or a sickness in your family. I'm thankful to have been part of celebrations and tragedies. Uh, I'm thankful to have been included with some of you guys with with exciting news from a job promotion. And I'm thankful that I got to be there with some of you um, through even a loss of a job and these other various life events. I don't take it lightly that many of you invited me to be part of these big life moments. And I'm confident, as Paul said here, that in the days and years ahead that God will continue. God will continue to perform a good work here at Central through the ministry of Central Baptist Church. We're going to talk about that here in just a little bit later. Now, look at verse number 9. We're going to kind of go through this section quickly here. But the Bible says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Remember those phrases, those words there, those two phrases. Verse number 11, Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, Unto the glory and praise of God. Now skip down to verse number 27 in in Philippians chapter 1 there. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now look, I'm not in any way, any way, shape, or form trying to compare myself to the Apostle Paul. Not in any way whatsoever. But Paul makes a statement here. He relays to his desire to the Philippians here. These Philippian believers love for Christ and their love for one another. He's desirous that their love may abound. It's Paul's desire that they live a life of what he said, sincerity in service to God. Now, look, I'm not the apostle Paul. And I know I'm not your pastor, but it's my desire that Central Baptist Church continue to let your love abound more and more. What did the Bible tell us? And what did Jesus tell us in John 13, 35? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And it's my hope that this church will continue to be an example in this city of the love of Christ, that nothing be done through strife and vainglory. We'll get to that here in just a second. Paul's thankfulness for what God has done 
in the life of the Philippian believers and in his relationship with them leads him, again, he, he leads him to thankfulness. He has a thankful spirit and a thankful heart. His thankfulness then leads him to the next point here in chapter 2. Look at verse number, chapter 2, verse number 2. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. When Paul's imprisoned, okay, remember, Paul's in prison here, and he's giving, for all he knows, this could be his last set of instructions to the believers at Philippi. And what does he talk about? He talks about being thankful, and then number two, he talks about unity. Now think about that. He's at this point now where he's going to deliver a message that may be his last communication, and he tells everybody, hey, get along. Love one another. Love the brethren. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Don't allow division to be caused among one another. Look, in times of turmoil and wickedness in the world, it is so much more important that Christians dwell together in unity. If everything going on in the world today, everything that's taking place and all the turmoil that's taking place in the world, we have the opportunity to shine as lights in the darkness. We have the opportunity to project the, Christ, the, the love of Christ to a world that's full of confusion and fear. Look, I get it. We, it's a very different time in which we're living right now. This is a time where it is a little fearful, but people ought not see us in fear as those who have no hope. They ought to see us as Christians who are uniting together. Look, when the world sees the, the church today, they ought not see any bickering and fighting and people can't get along. There are important things going on right now. And the most important thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ being given to a lost city. And so what we have to show to the world is a church of unity. Now, that's great to get excited about when we talk about it in here. But that means what that means is that you don't always get your way. And this is what Paul's saying here. Everybody get along. Love one another. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. That means you're not going to get your way all the time. So don't do things for strife to cause problems, for vainglory to make yourself look good or look better than someone else. Now think about this. This is the message Paul's giving to his people. It's not some great, what we would call doctrinal truth. It's everybody love one another. Everybody get together in unity. Look not, verse number four, look not on your own things, but on the needs of others. Look, a year and a half ago, a year and a half ago, we prayed for God to give us a pastor. We even had the boldness to pray for God to give us a good one. Remember that? We didn't just pray for a pastor. We prayed, God, give us a good one. We want one of the better ones. We don't just want some retread from some other place that couldn't get it done. We want a guy that you're going to use to, uh, to spread the gospel in our city and to lead this church into the future. And yes, the Lord did answer our prayer, if you're wondering that. <laughs> Some of you are like, eh, no. Yeah. We prayed a specific request, and the Lord answered our prayer. 
The Lord gave us a man. We're going to talk about this a little bit later. He deals with this at the end of chapter 2. We'll come to this in just a moment. But, but Paul's talking to his people here, and he's saying, listen, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. We as a church a year and a half ago, we decided we're going to work together. And by and large, for the most part, unless there's just something that took place I didn't know about, for the most part, it seemed like most of us in the church we got together with the spirit of unity and began to pray and seek the Lord's face for our church. And the Lord answered that request. What a great thing. We can stand here today, and you heard uh, Brother Jeremiah get up this morning and, and preach out of the book of Revelation and give us great instruction relevant to our situation today, the word of God that we needed to hear. Why? Well, partly because we prayed. And as a church together in unity, we sought the Lord, and the Lord honored our request. How foolish it would be then for us going forward to fall into a mindset of criticism. Look, things are going to change a little bit. Now, this is not, and look, I understand I'm not the pastor, so it's not like losing a pastor again, but there are going to be a few things that are going to change along the way. Now, what ought not happen is that now that things are going to change a little bit, and maybe some workings and some of the operations of the church are going to be a little bit different than they were before, what ought not happen is that we have some rumblings and grumblings within the church not liking what decision is made or who's doing that or who's doing what. Look, we prayed for a pastor. We prayed for a good one, and God gave us a good one. And so we ought to honor that by living together in unity within the church in the days ahead. Look at verse number 14. Paul, Again, remember, Paul knows the importance of unity. So what does he say in verse number 14? Do all things without murmurings and disputings that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Again, it's of utmost importance that you don't allow a spirit of criticism to grow in your hearts. Now look, you you guys have been here for a while, you know me. I'm just going to speak plainly to you here, okay? In the days ahead, there's going to be, with some, there's going to be a temptation to make a statement like this, and you ought not. Well, back when Miller and Bartlett were here, this is what we did. Well, look, Miller and Bartlett are gone. They're not here. You've got Brother Andrews here leading this ministry. The Lord's going to send someone else to help these men in this church and help the staff and the leadership of this church. So things are going to be a little different. There ought not be murmurings and disputings through that. There ought not be fighting in that. There ought not be. And let me tell you right now, with some folks here, I don't, don't dare use me as an as a illustration or a point for you to cause division and fighting and murmuring among people. That's not, that's not going to fly. Things are going to be a little different. And let me tell you this again. That's God's will. It's God's will for things to be a little different right now. It's God's will for things to change. Man, look. Trust me, I would not pick up my life and my family and, and leave our beautiful home over here that the Lord gave us I wouldn't leave you people if I didn't know it was God's will for us. So if it's God's will for my family, it's also God's will for yours. And so as we move in the, head in the, four, in the days ahead, things are going to be a little different. Things might be a little awkward in a few areas here and there. But let's not let murmurings and disputings come in. This is such an important topic we're talking about tonight because Paul said so. Paul from jail is telling people in Philippi, Don't have any arguing and fighting and criticism going on of one another. Focus on who is here. Man, I hope you do look back with fond memories, but I hope you don't live back there. Focus on who is here and focus on the work that needs to be done here in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, because it's not over. It's not done. 
Look, some, and, and I get it, and I, and I understand it, and part of me, it's a little bit of swelling up of pride a little bit. You know, these are just wonderful days in our church, and I think they have been, but they're not over. It's not done. It's not, okay, we've hit our peak, and now we're on the backside. I don't believe, you may believe that, but I don't believe that for a minute. I believe the Lord is placing people where he wants them to do the job that he has called them to do, and that's the same thing for here. Focus on who is here and the work that needs to be done going forward. Verse 16, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that, that I have not run in vain, neither, neither labored in vain. Look, Paul is desirous that he's not run his race in vain. What good, whatever good I may have done here, I pray that my years and my labor here will not be in vain. I pray that those of you who have invested in me and helped me and my family, I pray that your labor will not be in vain. For the same cause, verse number 18, do ye joy and rejoice with me. Now, again, Paul says something very interesting here, verse number 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Look at verse 20. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own not the things which are Jesus Christ. I read that the other day, and my first thought is, that's not true here. Paul's saying, I don't have anybody to send you. Everybody seeks their own. I don't have anybody like-minded who will naturally care for your state. That's not the case here. Again, we prayed and we asked for the Lord's will to be done. We asked for God to send us a pastor, and we asked for God to send us a superior man of God to lead this church into the future, and he answered that request. I know that you're being led by an under-shepherd who cares for you. I know that I'm not your pastor, but, as, but I am thankful that as we leave Hattiesburg, that you have an, a, a pastor, an under-shepherd, who does care for your state. He doesn't seek his own. He seeks the leadership of Jesus Christ. You know, the decision to leave here, and I'll be honest with you, it was the hardest decision of our life. In some sense, it was the hardest decision of our life, not because we fought necessarily the will of God, but because Brother Jeremiah has been great to work with. It really has. And I hope no one gets the idea that, well, Bartlett's leaving because the Andrews are here and Brother Jeremiah is just a mean guy and all that. That's not the case at all. In all honesty, and I mentioned this to him, and I, and I may have said this already, but he's the easiest guy I've ever worked for. And so it has nothing, our leaving here was difficult because we have such a good situation here, because we have such a wonderful church, and because we have such a wonderful pastor. I thank Brother Jeremiah and Miss Leslie for all they've done for us through all of this. They've been so gracious and kind, and I want you to know that. They've been so gracious, so kind, and so helpful to us through this entire process. They've shared in our empathy. They've helped us bear this burden uh, all along the way. And, and I want you to understand how grateful I am to Brother Jeremiah and Miss Leslie and their family. Then Paul, he's dealing with unity, and then he leads into chapter 3. He's referring to thankfulness and unity, and then he hits chapter 3, and he spends time on the knowledge of God. Look at chapter 3, verse number 2. What does he say? Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. What's he saying? Beware of false teachers, evil workers. Verse number 3, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. From prison, Paul's dealing with false teachers. He's saying, beware, watch out, beware. What does he call them? He calls them dogs. 
Another passage of Scripture, Peter calls them dogs and swine. Jesus himself called false teachers dogs and swine and pigs. Anytime you see those two terms mentioned, it's talking about false teachers who are unbelievers. And by the way, these can be very, very uh, convincing, influential figures. And Paul's saying, from prison, watch out. Don't fall into false doctrine. Don't fall into false teaching. Brother Jeremiah's already mentioned it over and over again, but be careful who you listen to on the internet. Be careful for who you listen to on television. Be careful. Beware. Be aware of false teachers. Then he says here in verse number seven, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Here, Paul deals with the past. He looks at the past. He says, I count all things but loss. He says, I count all of my gains as loss. When Paul met Christ, there was a wonderful business transaction that took place. And he came to realize how futile, how worthless his good works were to achieve God's standard of righteousness. He said, all the things I did, all the good I did was loss to Jesus Christ. Verse number nine, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Verse 10 here, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now he says again back there in verse number eight, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He's looking to the past. Notice Paul's looking to the past, but he's not living in the past. I count all things but loss. You know, I did all of these good things, but I, I, I count them all at loss, but for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Then he says here again in verse number 10, that I may know him. Now he's dealing, he's looking in the present, that I may presently know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. Paul was presently striving to grow in the knowledge of Christ. Now, Lord willing, you know, we still got family here. Lord willing, we're going to come back and visit from time to time if they, if they still let us. All right. When we do, it would be great to see you growing in the knowledge of Christ. It'd be great for you to see me growing in the knowledge of Christ. For us to be more Christ-like in the years to come than we are today. This is Paul's desire here that I, why, all of these things took place. Why? That I may know him. That I may know him today. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Then he says here, uh, again, in verse number 13, and remember, by the way, this is the goal. This is the goal now. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now he's looking to the future. I press toward the mark. Look, here in this church, you have been given the resources You've been given a pastor who preaches the word of God. You've been given good teachers and leaders to provide every opportunity for you to grow in the knowledge of God and and of Jesus Christ. If you're not growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's not everyone else's fault. We've got to take an inward look here. Paul says, now I press toward the mark. I'm looking to the future here. He wasn't living in the past here. Forgetting those things which are behind. Now, we look back in the past with fond memories, but again, we're, we're looking to the days ahead and the days forward. Look, many of us, and, and I agree with you here. I'm with you on this. Many of us look at our current situation in the world, and we think, you know, the Lord's going to come at any moment, and I believe that is the case. But that does not mean we stop everything we're doing in the meantime. It doesn't mean that the ministry of the gospel is to be ceased. That happens after we're taken 
And as far as I can tell, we ain't been taken yet. So the ministry of the gospel of Christ is to continue. I press toward the mark. Let's continue to press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. Warren Wiersbe said this. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? You do not move ahead by constantly looking in the rearview mirror. The past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. We must learn from the past, but not live in the past. And I would just encourage you tonight, let's, let's remember the past. Let's look back every once in a while. It's a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you down. Let's continue the work of the ministry here. Let's go forward in the ministry. Let this church continue to grow. Look, many of you, you love Brother Miller. That's wonderful, but we're looking ahead. Many of you, you love Brother George, and that's great, but we're looking ahead. Many of you, you remember the days of C.R. Williams and what he did in your life and the ministry, uh, the impact his ministry had on your life, and that's a great, wonderful thing, but we're looking ahead. We're pressing toward the mark. There's still a work to be done here, and let's continue to do the work of Jesus Christ. Verse number 18, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Again, he finishes the chapter, again, talking about false teachers, talking about those who are the enemies of Christ. And he says, beware, watch out, avoid them. Avoid those who would preach a gospel of, of division or self-promotion. So we see here thankfulness. Paul addresses unity. He teaches these folks that they're to grow in the knowledge of Christ. And then chapter 4 will be done here. Verse number 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Number six, verse number six, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So Paul is writing from prison over 15 times. We've already mentioned this. He talks about rejoicing, joy, gladness. It's pretty positive for a guy in prison. Now, I've never been in prison against my will, at least. Uh, but, you know, some of you guys have, and we won't, we won't take testimonies tonight, but I tend to think I wouldn't be joyful in that situation. I wouldn't be probably, I'm just be honest with you, I would not be filled with gladness. But yet this is what Paul's addressing here. He's saying rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. When you worry, what does he say in verse number six? In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So what can you do for Central Baptist Church? This is kind of a side note. This is really it, the point for chapter 4, but this is a side note. You can pray, and you can rejoice. Some of you don't like me. You can really rejoice. He's out of here. <laughs> okay. You can rejoice, be filled with joy. Look, he's not asking me to say this, but look, in the next few days, don't call Brother Jeremiah. What are we going to do? We're not going to call you anymore, you know, for encouragement or advice. Be filled with joy. If you're worried about the future of this church, which you ought not be, but if you are, take it to the Lord. Pray. Pray for the wisdom of this man as he leads our church. Pray for these men who on our church staff here who are going to be uh, carrying the burden and, and taking on some extra responsibilities that they didn't have to before. Pray for these men and help them and support them and be positive. Don't be calling up, oh, man, what are we going to do? Bartlett's going to. That doesn't mean anything. 
all that's going to do is just you get it off your chest and all you're going to do is give a burden to somebody else to have to carry for you. Rejoice. Why? The Lord's not come back yet. The world's going crazy, but this is a chance for us to shine as lights in the world. And with all prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. There's a story of a French soldier in World War I who, who went to battle, and he carried into battle a prescription for worry. It said this, of two things, one is certain. Either you are at the front or you're behind the lines. If you're at the front of two things, one is certain. Either you are exposed to danger or you are in a safe place. If you are exposed to danger of two things, one is certain. Either you are wounded or you are not wounded. If you are wounded of two things, one is certain. Either you will recover or you will die. If you recover, there is no need to worry. If you die, you can't worry. What's going to happen to this church? The church is going to continue on and it's going to be fine. But what's going to hurt this church is if you sit back and worry and fret. What's going to happen with this coronavirus, Brother Jeremiah? You know what he's going to tell you? I don't know. What's going to happen? What are we going to do as a church? We're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to continue on. Don't live in fear and worry. We ought to be people who are different than those in the world. We ought to be distinct. When the world sees you and somebody out there meets you and talks to you, all right, do they see you as different? Do they they see you as a worrier or just full of anger and mean? Because there's a lot of us like that too. The world ought to see something different. They ought not see people of God that are worrying just like they are because that's no testimony. And they shouldn't see people of God who are angry and mad at everybody else because that's what they are too. We ought to be different, taking our request to the Lord. Now, here's what we're getting to in, in chapter 4, and we'll be done in just a minute here. Verse number 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul says, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. And I would say if you've, if you've learned or received or heard or seen anything good in, in me, do the good things. There are plenty of bad things. Don't do them. But do the good things. What does he say? And the God of peace shall be with you. Look, the peace of God is not the absence of trouble. The peace of God is not the absence of uneasiness. It is the presence of God through trouble and uneasiness. The peace of God is not absence of trouble. The peace of God is the presence of God in the middle of trouble, in the middle of uneasiness and and days that uh, that aren't as clear. Here's the promise. Right living is a necessary condition to experience the peace of God. Look, the Bible's teaching this here. You can only know the peace of God when you are in fellowship with the God of peace. And he says here, the the peace of God, or I'm sorry, the God of peace in verse number nine, the God of peace shall be with you. So in the days ahead in this church, remember this statement here, Dwight Pentecost said, maturity in the Christian is not measured by what a man knows but by what a man does. In the days ahead in Central Baptist Church, I would encourage you here to be faithful and continue to do the things that you've been called to do. Do the things that the Lord has led you to do. Do the things that as a Christian, you know you have a responsibility to do. When I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do, when I'm walking with the Lord and I'm fellowshipping with Him and I'm keeping my life right with Him, then I can have the peace of God. Verse number 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for what I've learned, whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Matthew Henry said this, pray for patient submission and hope when we are abased, for humility and a heavenly mind when exalted. It is a special grace to have an equal temper of mind always. 
and in a low state not to lose comfort in God, nor distrust his providence, nor take any wrong course for our own supply. Did you catch that? In a low state not to lose comfort in God, nor distrust his providence, nor take any wrong course for our own supply. Look, in days ahead, don't be dissatisfied with the work that God is doing. Don't be dissatisfied in what God is doing. Well, back in the past, well, it ain't the past anymore. Well, back years ago, it's not that day anymore. Those of you who had kids, many of you, you wanted your kids to stay little. Well, they're not anymore. They grow. Things change. That's tough, and it's awkward sometimes, and it's tough and difficult often, but that's what the Lord's called us to. So let's not get dissatisfied in the work that God is doing. Remain faithful to the Lord and his work. Look, back a year and a half ago when we were going through that pastoral transition and all the things going on there, we didn't know what was going to happen here. We didn't know what the Lord was going to do. But I can tell you from my position through all of that, the people that were most encouraging, even though they didn't know what was going to happen, the people that were a blessing to me were those who were faithful and joyful through the whole process. There were, so many of you were just in your place. It came Sunday, and I'll be honest with you, the first Sunday after Brother Miller left, I can't, I'm thinking, I hope anybody shows up. You know, I hope somebody's here. And thankfully, some of y'all came. No, we were here. The church continued on, and the Lord blessed. The people that were the most encouraging were those who were faithful and joyful. People came and asked me, what are we going to do? I don't know. know, We're just going to keep doing and keep and pray and just see what the Lord does. But those of you who are encouragement were filled with joy. Filled with joy. In the days ahead, let's be filled with joy and faithfulness and a happy spirit. Verse number 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your need. You know, there's going to be maybe a, a, a need here at Central here for a little bit. God's going to supply it. I have no doubt the Lord is going to supply it because he promised that he would. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever need that you have today, God said, I will supply all your need according to his riches and glory. It's not an accident. It's not a hope. It's not a wish. It's going to happen. My God shall supply all your need. Man, I wish I could take the time tonight to tell you over and over again how many things that have happened uh, in our family just over the last three weeks. How many wonderful things, things that the Lord has provided for us. I could go on and on and tell you how good God has been. And that verse has become so much more real to me. Not that I didn't know it before, but even more today of God meeting our needs. Verse number 20, and we'll finish with this now. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. All that we are doing, church, and moving is simply trying to be obedient. It is our desire to give God glory in our lives. And I want to, again, thank you for all the kind words, all the encouraging gestures and all of the displays of love that you've shown our family over the last couple of weeks. Uh, you've been such an encouragement to me, and so uh, uh, I'm just so grateful for, for all of you and what you've done for our family. Uh, we know that we're not worthy of the praise given to us, and anything we have done, any good we have done sincerely, the glory uh, uh, belongs to God. This is our prayer and our desire that unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Let's pray tonight. Our Heavenly Father, again, I pray that you